Next on Making Sense of the Madness, we'll talk to a persecuted patriot. You won't believe how far they've taken January 6th. And Chris Paul will help us analyze the latest in the breaking news. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda right now. Well, Sal Greco is a veteran of the NYPD for 14 years, where he served his city with distinction and an unblemished record. He has received over 50 medals and took part in close to 1,000 arrests. For all intents and purposes, he was the model proactive cop until he became friends with Roger Stone. He was terminated because of that friendship in a 19-month witch hunt and now is in a legal battle with the city, the city of New York, and the NYPD in order to restore his good name. So, Sal, thank you for joining us on the show. Can you start at the beginning? Uh, before any of this happened, how was everything at the at the NYPD? What was life like before all this happened? Well, thanks for having me on, Sean. It's, I'm glad to be here. And uh, let me tell you, uh, when I first joined the New York City Police Department all the way till the end, uh, it's almost like every couple of years, it's like a cycle and things change. So when I first joined the department, it was... I joined for all the right reasons. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help the community, which I, I believe I did for my 14 years. But, you know, towards the end of it, things became more uh, political as time goes on. Because you almost go in like a novice, we'll say you want to do the right thing. But as time goes on, you'll realize that sometimes the right thing means it's the politically right thing to do. So you're going to see this in your career, the higher ups, everything is very political very political. Right. And so things were kind of going in that direction anyway. And then all of a sudden, uh, people start investigating you. Did you even, when did you find out about this and, and how, how did you react when you first learned about it? Well, the way I was investigated though, Sean, was somebody had written a letter to internal affairs and stated that I was security for my friend, Roger Stone. The, the thing was, everything in my career was going great. I was the model proactive cop. I mean, I have over 320 arrests. I've been in and out of court my whole career. There's nothing on it. It's an unblemished record almost. But unfortunately, somebody took it up that I'm friends with Roger and they're jealous because the problem in the New York City Police Department, probably in law enforcement in general, is it's the enemy. Your worst enemy is technically not the person in the street. It's usually the cop standing next to you. What I mean by this cop that had worked around me and was transferred, you know, for other re for, for reasons I don't know, but they did transfer him out of the, the place I was working at. This cop wrote a letter stating I was Roger Stone security. That was what started everything. Then there was a second letter that came in after January 6th, and it stated that I wanted a civil war in this country. And it had a couple of pictures of, I mean, these pictures were from a year ago. Like places I was at with Roger, I guess, that were in the newspaper or something. So they used these pictures in that letter and moved forward with a crazy witch hunt that lasted 19 months. It's really insane to even say this. And the, the amount of abuse that I had to endure, and to this day, it's some, you know, some, somewhat right now, but not as much. But back in these 19 months, it's, it's really it, – it's, it's, it's enough to put a little fear into anybody if you think – you're being investigated for something that you didn't even do. You, you know, being friends with somebody is now an investigation. 
And then they turned this into, right. we got to investigate him for, you know, was he, did he go to the Capitol? That, that was, that, the whole thing was ridiculous, Sean, ridiculous. Right. I've noticed this with people who, you know, are Trump supporters. They'll try to find out, were you, were you in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, like a million other people? And if you were, does that mean you're an insurrectionist? So, you know, the, but they even tried to do this before January 6th. But it seemed like January 6th was the, the key that they thought would lead to being able to get you here. So tell us about January 6th, uh, the, the circumstances of that. I mean, did you even end up going to the Capitol? Absolutely not, Sean. The, 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 the best part about this is I have never even been as close as 500 feet from the Capitol. I've never been to this building. I've never walked there. I don't exactly know where it is. So to even suggest this was laughable. There is no one that was ever witness to any of this. Nobody ever claimed any of this. But the New York City Police Department went ahead with, oh, he has to be involved in this because they were trying to lump Roger into this. So any claim, assertion, implication that I either knew about in advance or was involved in, uh, anything that happened nefarious on that day before January 6th, during or after, is categorically false and defamatory. So that's that's my statement with all of that. But on that day, in the morning, very early, I had gotten up and tried to get um, tickets that were supposed to be tickets left for Roger and a couple of other people to go to the Ellipse. I would have been one of them. That was the speech that, 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 that President Trump gave. Uh, I never even got close to the Ellipse. I didn't even know how to get into this place. There was a general area. I went all the way around to ask someone else. Where do you go? Where are these tickets? Nobody knew anything. It was very disorganized. I went back to the hotel, and that was the end of that. That's where we stayed. We were in a hotel. We watched the events that unfolded on the television screen. So how they jumped into trying to lump me into this is insane because I, I, I did not ever leave the hotel other than in the morning early where I was told there were no tickets, so I didn't even know where to get the tickets. And that's a well-documented story. It's in my um, file, in my investigation, and uh, when they were uh, questioning me. So it is a fact. I, so I don't know where they leaped into, oh, he's, he has to be involved in. He has to be involved in. Right. It's a lot of assumptions here. And I've heard of the FBI. You know, it's I've heard of the by FBI making, making these types of, you know, witch hunts trying to find people, Trump supporters, if they're because one of their neighbors said they might have been in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, as if that's a crime. Uh, so apparently they're trying to tie Roger Stone into January 6th. They're trying to tie anyone who's ever known Roger Stone into January 6th. But what is this supposed uh, misconduct or crime that they're accusing you of? Because it doesn't make any sense to me on a legal basis. On the, on the legal legal side of this, what originally what the investigation was, they put a C on it, meaning they thought it would end in a criminal referral. What they were believing was that I had somehow had been involved in this, even though the only witness they ever had that spoke told them I was never near this building. I had no involvement. I, I didn't even leave the hotel. So at that point, they don't have anything, but they continued because then they said, well, there's someone else that you associated with that's that works with Roger Stone. Therefore, uh, they had a criminal record. And then they started doing something that is now illegal. And there was a court order on this. They were uh, accessing sealed records where they pulled this person's mugshot 
Okay, so they use this person's record to then go and get an administrative subpoena, which is that's another unethical thing that the NYPD was scolded on because that was in another court order. So what they did was they went to the NYPD legal bureau where there's a, a like a judge. It's not a real judge. It's like an administrative judge. And they asked for an administrative subpoena. They drummed up a fake charge of narcotics. They said I was involved in narcotics, which at my department trial, they admitted I was never involved in narcotics. I had no involvement in any narcotics. They never drug tested me for narcotics. So they put narcotics, and that's how they authorized this administrative subpoena and got my records, meaning social media, phone records, and the surveillance cameras at the Willard Hotel. All this investigating they did, they did come up with the final conclusion of I had no wrongdoing. There was no criminal wrongdoing on my part, Roger's part, or, or anyone's part that, you know, me and Roger or this other person that they kept claiming I was friends with. So in the end, everything they did, which was highly unethical and questionably illegal, they had no criminal wrongdoing. But they proceeded, and that's how they drummed up this charge of wrongfully and knowingly associating with someone who's reasonably believed to have engaged in criminal activity. That would be Roger Snow. That is what they drummed up on me for. Wow. I guess if all of us Americans were persecuted because we knew someone who was accused of a crime, we'd all be in jail. Uh, But, 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 you know, I'm still trying to figure this out. Uh, So they did, they put a lot of resources into this. They paid people to follow you around to surveil you. Uh, is this common in the NYPD? Is there a purging going on where they try to find out, are you conservative? Are you a Trump supporter? Can we try to get this person out or something like that? Well, it definitely seems to be targeting, I guess, people that were supportive or, or friends or, or around um, Trump, because let's be honest, uh, in my latest uh, filing that I filed a couple of weeks ago, as, you, I say, as I stated, the patrol guide states, you cannot wrongfully not only associate with someone who's likely to have engaged in or reasonably be, uh, believed to have engaged in criminal activities, correct? So there is, that's a very broad brush, number one, because 70% of America does have some kind of a record. It's a very broad brush, and also there's no exceptions. Doesn't mean I am family with somebody. It, that doesn't exist. It doesn't say anything like that. So it's an administrative uh, procedure, and this is in the NYPD Patrol Guide, which is kind of like the book of rules that every officer, including the police commissioner, must follow. So if you're stating this is Roger Stone, a couple of weeks ago, they invited Cardi B to the police academy. That is a secure police facility. It's a secure facility. There are highly classified New York Police Department documents there. There are weapons there. Cardi B is a known gang member. She's also a convicted criminal Okay, and so and there's and she's very adversarial to the police department. So you're saying that it's okay for her to come to the police academy and associate with numerous officers, numerous civilian members of the police department. They all took pictures with her. They were all hobnobbing with her. The police commissioner had to have authorized this. She later on said that she had no idea about this and said that it was the police academy chief. So the police academy chief then had to, I guess they terminated her from the NYPD, but she got rewarded. She became the commissioner of the Department of Probation. So she actually got bumped up. So if you realize, again, this is all politics. So they right. said all this stuff for Cardi B, but they saying Cardi B is good. Roger Stone is bad. That's the message you're getting. It's an arbitrarily <laughs> applied rule. 
because everyone right. that's associated with Cardi B should be terminated right now, including the police commissioner. The mayor, Eric Adams, he himself, who was also persecuted for associating with criminals, he was compensated security for Mike Tyson and Louis Farrakhan during his career. He admitted this in his book. He was investigated, but he was never found guilty of anything. They kind of let it slide after over a year investigating him. So Eric Adams, who then came out with a press conference, and I love his press conferences because he always has a lot to say. He's a very colorful guy. He also dresses pretty good. He stated, we can't discard people. You know, and then the other day, again, when Marjorie Taylor Greene was coming for the ridiculous indictment of the president, and he said, well, you know, she comes in and, and spreads hate speech, and then we don't want any rabble-rousers, which is what he's calling the Trump supporters. And then again today, he stated, oh, well, when uh, Trump comes to town, he brings people that don't like our way of life in New York City. Eric Adams, who can be deposed in this case and should be deposed, the question is going to be, what are you stating, Eric? Why aren't you terminating the police commissioner? Eric, what do you mean about rabble-rousers? Are you saying that you don't you have a certain bias towards Trump supporters? So then is that why your New York City Police Department terminated Officer Greco? These are the questions right. people should be asking him. Because it's clear-cut bias. Oh, yeah. Th this law just stays on the book so they can get rid of anyone they want to target. Uh, so you're, you're, taking, you're doing a legal uh, procedure here to try to restore your good name. Uh, you know, when and how uh, do you expect this to be resolved? Uh, May 31st, Sean, is going to be a conference for the discovery part of my trial. So this is where uh, the city and my attorney will sit in in front of the magistrate judge and we start going over uh, how much discovery, what kind of discovery we want. Obviously, I, we believe that there's many other cases besides myself that they have done these uh, illegal and unethical procedures against other officers. Remember, it's an internal uh, procedure and it's an internal trial. So, yes, they do access sealed records. That's a, that's a fact. Yes, they do arbitrarily apply these rules. So they'll say, well, it's a, we don't like this officer because he was associated with Roger Stone. And when we see Roger Stone, we see Donald Trump. But Cardi B is OK. Mike Tyson's OK. Louis Farrakhan's OK. Ice-T apparently is OK. The first deputy commissioner's brother who handcuffed a, a poor cab driver and beat the holy hell out of him in a car. He's OK. Roger Stone's not OK. This is what I'm saying. It's right. an arbitrary rule. And with all these moves they're making, if the argument's going to be, well, the police commissioner had no idea that Cardi B was coming to the police academy, which is false because nothing happens in the police department. No major event. Any major event that happens, the police commissioner is always notified. If you're going to say this, then, Sean, there's a problem with the structure. It's broken in the NYPD because there's a structure. There's a police commissioner, chief of department. There's chief of patrol. There's numerous other chiefs. Everything goes down the line. Obviously, there's no chain because a chief of the police academy overstepped the police commissioner. And then the next question is, did the mayor or anyone in his office know about this? Because that would be the, the questions that you ask during a deposition. So you see how this is, is right. rolling. So it, it, it's going to yes. be May 31st. We already got past their motion to dismiss. The judge mooted it because they, went, they did this move with Cardi B. They continue to associate with different kind of people that have records. I noticed uh, Michael Dowd went to the police academy the other day. 
I don't know what that's about, but that doesn't look good. People online, there it is. Uh, you can help me out if you go to helpthisnycop.com. Uh, I also sell shirts there. But uh, So Michael Dowd, he was an officer that was terminated, and he was a convicted felon, but he was in the police, the uh, one police plaza. So it's like uh, rules for thee and not for, for me. That's That's basically what it is, and it's an outrage. Other people are outraged about this. They send me things every day. And, you know, I'm in this fight not just for me, but for everyone else. Because, Sean, if they steamrolled me, they're going to steamroll any, everyone else. For the yeah, person. That's my next question. That's yeah. my final question is basically where would the NYPD and the fire department be if they were successful in purging all the conservatives, all the Trump supporters, and all the patriotic Americans? There probably would be no fire department or police department because at least 70% or more are conservatives or at least. They're America first people, people that support the Constitution and the rights of, of people. This follow the order, this godless environment, which is what the police department and law enforcement in this country has become, where they don't believe in anything other than power, greed, and you're going to do what we tell you or we're going to destroy you. That's that's what this has become. So in, in the police department, they just want to purge anyone that doesn't go along to get along. That's how this works. And it's really sad. And I wasn't one of these these people. I always did the right thing. Otherwise, you would see I would have a ton of CCRB complaints. And I don't have anything. I have a clean record. So if I wasn't applying what I'm stating to my actions, you would see that I would have, I was a flunky cop, which I wasn't. They want to paint that picture. So once again, here, Sean, so I'm, I'm out here. I'm fighting not just for me. It's for everyone else. If anybody thinks they could hide in a foxhole behind the wall and think that they won't come for you, they will come for you because that's what these people do. So if anyone does want to help me, you go to helpthisnycop.com. Any generous donation helps because, look, I've spent 50 grand almost on my own money. That Not only that I have to you know, follow these uh, this lawsuit and all these filings in my case right now against NYPD, I had to defend myself against the January 6th committee. They roped me into that with all of this at the NYPD. We're all in cahoots with each other. So any generous donation can help. I really appreciate it. But mostly, it's everybody's prayers, everyone's support, everybody sending links to other people, everybody that spreads the message online. That's what's got this, and it's multiplying amongst others. So your prayers and your support yes. is what really matters here. That's what well, really Well, Sal, you could have easily just tried to ignore all this and put it behind you, but you decided to fight back, and that's the only way we can stop this. So thank only you for way. doing what you're doing, Sal. Really appreciate it. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Chris Paul the host of the Be Reasonable podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of breaking news as soon as we get back. The world is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency, which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, PhD, 720-605-3900. 
Rate Lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax-deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate-free, and they can provide income that you can't outlive. Let a company you can trust help you select a Rate Lock annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. Chris Paul is the host of the Be Reasonable podcast. Chris, I saw in the news an executive at Planned Parenthood uh, was found with child porn. They were going to raid his house. He killed himself. Uh, this is he has lots of pictures of him with the rainbow flag. You know, one of these liberal activists, love is love, uh, trans activists, everything you can think of. Um, and, and just seen so many stories like this. When you see a story like this, what comes to your mind? Well, as far as the Planned Parenthood thing goes, you know, it, you can't say it's surprising. A lot of pro-choice people out there think that they are actively supporting a woman's right to choose what they do with their bodies. But what that ultimately means is that they have the right to kill babies and people who argue for the right to kill babies may well have other ideas about what you're allowed to do with children that don't conform to any sense of normal morality. I mean, we can see them sexualizing children, grooming children, indoctrinating children. We have reached a point in our society where people support the state in every way, even when it comes to the state's control over children. And I hope that these stories coming out eventually wakes people up to what is actually a much larger agenda that has nothing to do with women's bodies. Right. I mean, we've thought about 10 years ago, people saying, hey, maybe gay marriage is a slippery slope. Uh, and people said that was ridiculous. And now the United Nations is trying to decriminalize sex with minors. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a trend here. We have to, to watch out where this goes. Uh, let's talk about the whole Budweiser uh, debacle, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, uh, because you know they issued a pretty... Uh, lame apology. It wasn't really even an apology. Uh, they didn't really recognize what the problem was or any solutions to it. Uh, but they did release a new patriotic ad with multiracial people in it. Let's take a look at that. Let me tell you a story about a beer rooted in the heart of America, found in a community where a handshake is a sure contract, brewed for those who found opportunity in challenge and hope in tomorrow, raised by generations willing to sip, share, risk, remember. This is a story bigger than beer. This is the story of the American spirit. Well, Chris, the people reacting to this ad on Twitter, no one thought it was like a horrible ad or anything. They're just like, well, this is a little too little, too late. You think this is going to fix the problem that you created? 
And Benny Johnson actually pointed out that the CEO of Anheuser-Busch is a spook, CIA, former CIA operative. Many people pointed out Anheuser-Busch is a World Economic Forum partner. And so they won't recognize the problem. They won't address it. And they just try to win us back with some propaganda. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised by any of it. I mean, they have to try to recover their corporate image somehow. So I guess a more traditional commercial is the move. Uh, I I would wonder if they have uh, the science on how many genders horses can be. Um, You know, I'm still under the impression that it's two. Apparently humans are different according to science and can have additional genders or maybe no gender at all. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of confusion for companies like this right now. I think the World Economic Forum thing is especially poignant. You know, we look at the CIA and we see the uh, the infiltration by these global organizations, often through the intelligence community, into all sorts of World Economic Forum partner organizations. This is what those companies are in the World Economic Forum for. The whole system works together with the ESG scores and the rest of it, the entire global communist agenda. And of course, they're going to put their people in these companies to be able to guide these agendas within corporate America. So uh, I I hope everybody has a keen eye on all of this. I would suggest that everybody go to weforum.org, go to the partners page and see all of the companies that are on that partners page. There's probably a thousand of them. And many of them are household names, transnational corporations whose products everyone uses. Yep. These are all the the corporations that all at the exact same time donated millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter when they were burning down our cities. These are all the corporations Mm -hmm. that put out the anti-Russia propaganda during the beginning of the Ukraine war, all in synchronicity. Uh, So, you know, this is how it's done. This is how it works. Uh, and, and Elon Musk on, on Twitter actually says something interesting. Going back to the original problem, which was a trans, celebrating trans, uh, the trans agenda with Bud, Bud Light. Um, but he's, he's talking about the issue of, of sterilizing children before they're old enough to even consent to that kind of a procedure. He's saying that doctors or whoever, even parents who, who do that uh, to their kids should be imprisoned for life. That's a strong statement there. And it's bringing up a problem that a lot of people don't even recognize as a problem. In fact, I saw that uh, bots were attacking the chat for a lot of uh, programs saying trans rights, protect trans kids. This is like the mantra of saying that we need to sterilize children. So it's sterilized children versus not sterilized children. That's the debate today. Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy debate in itself. I think Elon Musk is uh, on the right path there. This is child abuse. It has always been child abuse. It is never anything other than child abuse. There are not trans kids. This is not uh, an idea that kids would just naturally grow up with. I mean, 30 years ago, when we were children, people weren't wondering whether or not they were boys or girls. That wasn't a a mistake, an accident. That's the natural course of things. This is an unnatural course of things. The extent to which children feel like they're in the wrong body is 
just those children comporting with what is now becoming a societal norm, that that is the sort of thing that can happen. It's not the sort of thing that can happen. And when we're talking about sterilization, you know, we should maybe even expand this picture uh, a little a little larger and notice that there is a chance that these COVID vaccines, these mRNA vaccines that aren't vaccines, uh, can sterilize children as well. And to the extent that uh, professional medical people were injecting kids with that, if we find out that the sterilization thing is a massive uh, widespread issue, then yeah, I would encourage prison for those doctors and health professionals as well. Right. I mean, this is coming at a time when Trump is talking about death penalty for uh, drug dealers, for example, dealing fentanyl, which kills people immediately with these overdoses, uh, that drug dealers, they're, they're killing uh, dozens, hundreds, even thousands of people by dealing things like fentanyl. They maybe should get the death penalty. Uh, in Florida, the House just passed uh, the death penalty for child rape. Uh, so this is something that the conservative movement is looking at here. How can we stop uh, after things have gone this far, how can we take back territory here and, and put an end to all of this uh, madness? Um, and the question is, it's not just the woke corporations through the World Economic Forum. It's not just uh, the social media. It's not just the media. It's the government that's involved. Let's take a look at this video of Elon Musk talking about how the government had full access to Twitter. The degree to which uh, various government agencies had effectively had full access to everything that was going on on Twitter uh, blew my mind. Um, I was not aware of that. Would that include people's DMs? Uh, yes. nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick the world. Let's get it done. Let's go lick the world. Let's get it done, Chris. Uh, so let's go back to the idea of Elon Musk, uh, you know, admitting and, and, and putting it out there on Tucker that the U.S. government, and who knows, maybe other governments around the world, had access, full access to Twitter, to all of our private messages and so forth. And if they had access, of course, they weren't just leaving it there unexplored. They were accessing it. So what, how, do you, how do you even react to, to that kind of a bombshell? Well, I mean, my reaction is, oh, good. I'm glad that people are going to know about this now. I mean, this is something that we've been talking about for years, as is most of the social media stuff, most of the censorship stuff. 
Um, you know, we've been trying to put this out to the public for a very long time. It's good that someone like Elon Musk is doing it now so that people can understand what has been done to them. Uh, yeah, I would say foreign governments certainly have access to this. We share high level intelligence with foreign governments. That's never been uh, at question. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if these same transnational corporations connected to the World Economic Forum and other global governing bodies have access to the information too. I mean, think about what they're able to get with your DMs. I mean, maybe my DMs or your DMs aren't a big deal, but there are people who talk about significant issues in their DMs and have kept them in private for a very long time, knowing that intelligence organizations and governments have access to all that would be something that would send a chill down someone's spine if they were having, you know, conversations that could compromise them on Twitter. I think a lot of us are probably too smart for doing that. I mean, it's terrible OPSEC to use, uh, to use a popular term. But uh, now that Twitter is in someone else's hands, that Twitter is under the control of a different organization or a different person, I would think that there would be some people pretty horrified by the public actually knowing this now. Right. I mean, heads of state sharing information, the most powerful influencers of the world, celebrities, uh, anyone you can imagine. I mean, the whole, whole world is on Twitter. And so to know that someone somewhere, in some bureaucrat, uh, in an intelligence agency has the ability to go in and find all that out, use artificial intelligence to filter out whatever they're looking for. Uh, it, it just sends chills down the spine. Uh, but luckily, this is the beginning of stopping it because finally people are learning that it actually exists. So there seems to be a campaign going on. And I want to get into the Biden stuff because we've known about his improprieties Joe Biden, his crime family for a while, but it's becoming disclosed to the normies now. Let's take a look at the next video of the White House stenographer who realized that he captured an illegal conversation. Let's take a look. Mike McCormick worked for Joe Biden as a White House stenographer, and Mike joins us now. So, Mike, what went down on that trip that you're aware of? Thanks for having me on, Jesse. Well, what happened on that trip was Joe Biden was in the front of the plane. My job as a White House stenographer was to be in the back of the plane in the press cabin. And if a white, if Joe or a senior administration official came back and did a briefing, and then I would record it and make a transcript. Well, that's exactly what happened. That senior administration official was Jake Sullivan, who's now our national security advisor. So I didn't see anything wrong with it. At the time, years go by. I've left the White House. I'm writing books, and I get a hold of the Hunter Biden laptop from Marco Polo. Uh, they're a nonprofit, a anti-corruption nonprofit. About a year and a half ago, I started writing a Substack based on what I find, and then I go back over what I knew happened when I was working for Joe. I found the transcript that I wrote about that briefing. That's when Jake Sullivan starts talking about fracking. And because of what I'd read in the laptop and reported in my Substack previously, I'm like, wait a minute, Joe Biden knew Hunter Biden was already on the board on April 18th. Joe Biden knew. 
he directed Sullivan to go back and talk to the press. This is a conspiracy. This is a crime. This is public corruption. That's what the FBI is supposed to investigate. So I wrote a substack about it in November. Nothing happened. I went to the FBI and filled out their witness tip line. There's a website. You fill out all these tips, uh, these web, web directions. I submitted it. If you lie to the FBI when you're submitting a tip like that, you can go to jail. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. Joe Biden is lying. Joe Biden is a criminal. That's the bottom line. I don't care if he goes to Timbuktu. Wow. Isn't it amazing, Chris, that someone who is in the Obama administration, uh, you know, ends up getting access to Marco Polo's uh, info on the Hunter Biden laptop, writes on a Substack, and now he's on Fox News spreading the truth about the Biden crime family. I mean, this is what we need. It's like our previous guest, Sal Greco. I mean, these are just regular people who are willing to finally step out, fight back, a- and and go against this madness. Uh, can you imagine if no one, we didn't have any whistleblowers from the FBI, we didn't have people like this White House stenographer, where we would be now? Yeah, I'm absolutely... Um overjoyed that these whistleblowers are coming forward and that a lot of this is finally being brought to the public understanding. You know, these things were known by the people around Joe Biden throughout his life. And that's one of the most disappointing things. Joe Biden was out on the debate stage lying about uh, his lap, his uh, son's laptop being Russian disinformation. He was saying that all of this has been debunked, that he never talked to his son about business. All of that was clearly a lie at the time. You know, they pretended that his daughter's uh, diary, her journal from her time in therapy didn't exist. It's disgusting to me that the people around Joe Biden supported all of these lies and supported his candidacy, knowing that he is a criminal, knowing that he's engaged in a career of selling out the interests of his constituents and the interests of this country to corporations and to our foreign adversaries for profit. Uh, John Solomon's been doing great work on all of this stuff. Apparently now they're about to get the names of the people related to the Biden campaign who uh, were the impetus for the writing of the, uh, the, the letter from the 51 former intelligence officials saying that the laptop was Russian disinformation. So a lot of this is finally unwinding in the public narrative, and I'm definitely very happy about that. But again, this is stuff that we've known for quite a long time. It is so much slower to wake up the normies as it is when you're, you're in the, you had the inside intel with the internet researchers. Uh, Senator Johnson, in an interview, laid out exactly how we can track Uh, the corruption of Joe Biden, and maybe even where to look. Let's take a look. Chinese American banks supplying Senate Republicans with records showing millions of dollars flowing from Chinese companies to the president's son, Hunter Biden, and his brother, James Biden. Member of the Foreign Relations Committee, Senator Ron Johnson, joins us now for more. Senator, so great to have you on this morning. Uh, So there was another batch of papers of, you know, bank documents that came out that showed money going to Hunter, to Jim, to Joe, uh, to uh, Bo Biden's widow, who Hunter was sleeping with at that time. Um, So nobody in the media seemed to care about this. Joe Biden said they were lies. 
Is there anything more damning in this new batch that will have to get the media's attention, or do you expect them to ignore it just like the last batch? Good morning, Rachel. Well, let's face it, Senator Grass and I pretty well laid out the case against the the grifting Biden family back in September of 2020 before the election. Our report was completely ignored by the media, just as they ignored the Hunter Biden mm-hmm. laptop, uh, because they're, they're advocates for the left themselves. And so what we're, we're finding out now is just new pieces of evidence of the grifts that uh, the Biden family had been involved with. Uh, the bank records that uh, basically confirm what uh, the Treasury records showed from uh, Senator Grassley's in my report. I think uh, what recently was reported on Fox is the uh, trying to get into the sovereign wealth funds of like Ireland and some of these other countries. You know, our, our report shows something like a dozen different countries that Hunter Biden was, again, peddling the family name, trying to sell influence. But I think, uh, you know, the, the trying to tap into sovereign wealth funds, I think, is pretty revealing. You know, why, why would governments who own those sovereign wealth funds, why, why would they want to pay into the, the, the Biden family coffers and the Biden family grift? Well, it's to gain influence. It's, uh, you know, who knows exactly how it might benefit from them. Uh, but the, the level of compromise of this president, I think, is just jaw dropping. And maybe even more jaw dropping is how the media, except for a few outlets like Fox News, is completely ignoring it. I guess they're okay with it. Yeah, I guess they're hanging their hat on the fact that, okay, they say, well, Hunter, Hunter's a bad figure. Um, he did bad things, but can you connect it to Joe Biden? Have we been able to connect it to Joe Biden? Because I know he, Hunter was paying for things for his dad that I know I wouldn't pay for my dad um, and, and mortgages and things like that. Is there any way to make these connections? Yes. I mean, unfortunately, Senator Grass and I ran out of time. Uh, that was toward the tail end of that Congress. And then we lost the majority, so we don't have the chairmanship anymore. But now the House does. And so uh, certainly I'm encouraging James Comer and, and the House committees to subpoena the other bank records. I, I thought what was interesting is that Cathay Bank, I know they're they're denying any involvement with China, just like TikTok. But I thought it was rather revealing that they just handed over records to uh, our Senate committees uh, w- without you know any compulsory process. Uh, I think it'll require a, a subpoena process, a compulsory process on the part of the House to get the bank records and not only understand the inflow from different uh, countries into the Biden family coffers, but then where you know the outflow, where where did it go once it went into right. a bank controlled by Hunter Biden? Did did it go down to the Cayman Islands somewhere, the Bahamas, or you know how, how did the big guy maybe get his ten percent? That's what needs to be investigated. By the way, we handed all this over to Attorney U.S. Attorney Weiss. Uh, he's been sitting on our records now for months, uh, probably evidence for years. Where's the U.S. attorney's uh, investigation to this as well? He's got stronger investigatory powers than, than certainly Congress does at this point in time. Uh, can you get- it's astonishing that experts were not called to help the country. In the inaugural episode of Focal Point with Alex Newman, Dr. Peter McCullough discusses the impact of COVID-19. If we had no government response and the medical community just faced it on its own, we could have avoided, I think, two-thirds of the hospitalizations and deaths. We never needed the vaccine, so they wouldn't have come out. The entire calamity would have been markedly reduced. Don't miss this historically important interview on Focal Point with Alex Newman, only on ampnews.us. At Nature Rains, we're dedicated to a holistic way of living that improves your quality of life from one day to the next. It all begins with a new technology called the Quantum Cellular Scan. We will remotely map the inside of your body from organs and vital signs, frequencies and tones, 
and find the results that will help identify what your body needs. We then tailor a health plan that fits you specifically. Welcome to a world of natural health. Welcome to Nature Reigns. Did you know that there is a community of human beings that live to be well over 100 years old? The Hunza people live to be anywhere between 120 to 140 years old. Their secret? Vitamin B17. At Richardson Nutrition Center, we have developed a product line to easily incorporate B17 back into your diet. Use your special American Media Periscope code AMP888 to receive 15% off your first order at rncstore.com. We are talking to Chris Paul about the Biden crime family. So we just saw those two videos laying out uh, what's going on, some investigations. There's, there's, there are a lot of investigations going on into Hunter, into Joe, uh, various different types of crimes, uh, various different countries involved, China, Ukraine. We even heard uh, Senator Johnson say sovereign wealth, wealth funds from countries like Ireland could have been, uh, you know, they could have been peddling influence uh, there. So what, what do you think about this, Chris? Do you think this is going to go somewhere? Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm very optimistic about everything. So I think all of it's going somewhere. And I think that we can see that process uh, developing before our eyes if we are paying attention. I mean, I understand that people get very impatient with this stuff, particularly because we've known now for years that this is what was going on. We know that the evidence is there. We know the evidence is on the laptop. If you doubt that, you can go to Marco Polo's website and read the report for yourself. Go to hereshunter.com and you can look into everything that has to do with the Biden family and their corruption over the last couple of decades. You can see Ashley Biden's diary on there. The information is there. It's real. It's damning. It's conclusive. The investigations, you know, where those are going to go, who's to say? We can't say that right now. But when the public finally wakes up and understands what has actually been done to them and to their country, often in their name, I think we are going to see a massive pushback that's going to get this stuff over, uh, over the line in a way that people, you know, really doubt, uh, I don't I don't have any doubt at all that those days are coming because we can see the progression of this movement and of the awakening over the past few years. You know, anybody that's arguing that we are in the same or a worse position than we were in at the end of January 2021, I think is missing something crucial about what's happening in our world. Oh, we're definitely taking back territory. And I think you're right about the word pushback. If we do nothing, they just keep taking territory. Let's take a look at the next mm -hmm. video where Riley Gaines is actually suing because she was assaulted by a violent trans agenda mob. Let's take a look. Former collegiate swimming champion Riley Gaines is threatening legal action against San Francisco State. She says trans activists at the school assaulted her Thursday night after she voiced her opposition to allowing athletes who transition from male to female to compete against women. She tells Tucker Carlson what happened next. All of a sudden, after my speech, the room was stormed. The lights were turned off and I was rushed um, with no one there to escort me to a safe place. I was punched. Um, I was hit multiple times. I was shoved until finally we exited the room. 
Gaines had to barricade herself inside a classroom for three hours, and she says the protesters demanded ransom if she wanted to make it home safely. A university official said... Apparently, they were even trying to, uh, you know, get ransom to, to release her. That's it's like a really organized operation. It makes you wonder who's funding that type of thing, because probably not an organic trans mob. Um, now, Chris, what's your reaction to that, that video? Well, I'm glad she's out there. I'm glad that these issues are getting play. I mean, we've seen this stuff again for five or six years, maybe longer on college campuses. And uh, these colleges are down with the agenda. Their endowments depend on contributions from foreign countries like China, other uh, globalist philanthropies and donors. It's all tied into the same thing, you know, and people can scoff at that. I often say on the show, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's a system. You can see how the system operates. They tell you what they're going to do and why. You can see them implement the system and you can see the system produce results. All it requires is you to notice the fact that none of this is random and that making these uh, complicated and convoluted justifications for why each and every incident is not what it appears to be, that's not a very convincing argument to people anymore because they can see through it. They can see that this system is real and that this is what it's intending to do. It's unbelievable, Chris, that that San Francisco University uh, issued an apology to the mob, not to the person who was violently attacked. That just goes to show where their allegiances are. Uh, let's exactly. take a look at this next video where Pete Buttigieg uh, describes how roads are very racist. We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about 40,000 people every year. It's a level that's comparable to gun violence. And we see a lot of racial disparities, black and brown Americans, tribal citizens and rural residents much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? Who doesn't have that access? That can drive disparities. And we have a, a responsibility to act on that. It was funny watching Al Sharpton try to keep a straight face on that one. Uh, but, you know, you said in the previous segment that they tell us what they're going to do uh, before they do it. Mm -hmm. They've said they want to make race about everything, you know, make to, to bring the race issue to every possible nook and cranny of uh, our legal system and our society. And this just shows you. Uh, rem do you remember when we used to have transportation secretaries that would only talk about transportation policy? and not race. This is just a new normal. It is. Yeah. I mean, this is the way that they implement their agenda on cities and smart cities. And it's just another element of control. They're using race to justify it. In another situation, they'll use climate change or they'll figure out any number of other justifications to push their agenda. And whichever one people respond to is the one they'll go with, or they'll just push the whole series of them knowing that they appeal to different people. I think the most interesting uh, moment in that little clip is when he compares uh, the 
the car deaths, the car accident deaths to gun violence. They're trying to take away people's guns. And uh, he wouldn't make the same argument for taking away people's cars, except the funny thing is they actually want to take away people's cars, too, just for different reasons. I wonder if they'll get on board with cars are just too dangerous to use. Not sure that's a winning issue, but, you know, they do want car ownership to be a public thing and you share a public car when you need it which is, again, right. up to them because they'll control your ability to spend money and what you spend your money on. Right. I just saw a headline that uh, Joe Biden wants to have biometric smart guns where, you know, it will only fire if it matches your fingerprint. And, and probably they want to have smart cars where you can only access it by your fingerprint. It's just this technocratic agenda uh, where they take away our freedoms and uh, only the technocratic elites and, and the hackers that can access all of our stuff have the power. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the president of Brazil, pressured to sell missiles to NATO, says he won't do it. He believes in peace. Let's take a look as soon as we get back. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Here's what you missed at the last Ask the Expert. And the allowing of violent engagement of the left and right is destroying our, our value system. It is destroying shared liberty and freedom. You ask the questions. You participate. Next time, interact live with James Grunvig. Ask the Expert, every Thursday night at 8.30, only on Amp Insider. Welcome to a new era of connecting patriots. Amp Insider. Genocide Jab by John Michael Chambers is now an Amazon number one bestseller. If you've not yet read this critically important book that exposes uncomfortable truths, you should get your copy now. Or bundle with The World Awakens Volume 1 and 2 and get a 20% discount at ampnews.us. Como é que a gente vai conseguir paz na Rússia e na Ucrânia? Se ninguém está falando em paz. Todo mundo só está falando em guerra. Todo mundo só está falando da dar mais armas para a Ucrânia, sabe, atacar a Rússia ou a, a OTAN a colocar fronteira no território russo. Então, o que, é que nós precisamos encontrar? Países que queiram paz. A China quer paz, o Brasil quer paz, a Indonésia quer paz, a Índia quer paz. Então, nós temos que juntar esses países e fazer uma proposta de paz para a Rússia e para a Ucrânia. Uh, eu, eu tenho, estou convencido que a União Europeia que sempre jogou um papel importante, porque a União Europeia sempre foi um ponto de equilíbrio. Né? Ela nunca participava diretamente dos conflitos, ela agora entrou diretamente no conflito. Quando o companheiro Olaf Schultz, chanceler da Alemanha, foi ao Brasil, pedir para que o Brasil vendesse sabe, mísseis para que ele pudesse entregar para a Ucrânia, eu disse que não ia vender os mísseis, porque o Brasil não quer entrar na guerra. O Brasil quer paz.
So the BRICS started out as an economic partnership, and now look at how political it is. I mean, this is basically dividing the world into two separate uh, groups uh, that, that could be facing off basically already unofficially in a type of world war. Uh, this is very interesting to see it play out. Any comments, Chris? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that these two sides have been engaged in a world war for a long time at different levels. Um, you know, the one that we are most uh, exposed to these days is the informational war and the psychological war. You know, I look at everything as sovereign nationalists, sovereign nations and individuals against this global regime, the global communist agenda. And from that perspective, you know, these countries are together as sovereign nations. You know, Brazil under Lula is its own special case, just like the U.S. is to the extent that the U.S. is in any way under Biden. I look at Lula as Brazil's Joe Biden. He's just a puppet of some, you know, something or someone else and controlled from the top. But it's clear at this point that the global regime is losing on uh, basically every battlefield on which they're fighting. I mean, the financial thing is ultimately the end game. And if the global regime's fiat dollar branded as the American dollar crumbles worldwide in, and loses its status at the dominant as the dominant currency, that's basically game over for the regime. Right. And that's exactly what's oh, happening. I, I and completely it's inevitable. agree with you. It is. And the funny thing is the, the globalists probably want that to happen, but they want to replace the dollar with what uh, uh, something issued by the World Bank or whatever. But, you know, now there is an alternative. The BRICS, you know, they have economy, uh, combined economy bigger than uh, the West. Uh, they they mm -hmm. can have their own currency and they're talking about it, which is just unbelievable. We're living in these times. Thank you for sharing your analysis, Chris. We can check out your Substack and the link in the description below. Thank you all of you for watching AmpNews.us. We are America's Patriot-only network. Go there, AmpNews.us. Register for Amp Insider every Thursday. Talk to our show hosts. Get your questions answered. Get my breaking news updates at SeanMorganReport.com. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck. is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency, which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, PhD, 720-605-3900. 
Rate Lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate free and they can provide income that you can't outlive. Let a company you can trust help you select a Rate Lock annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. Where we go one, 